Welcome to Systemically Living with Jay, Episode 2. My name is Janelle Chase Mears, and I'm a creative systemic therapist, a certified grief recovery specialist, a mental health professional, and a fitness professional. And today's episode is about lack of emotional sobriety. What are the symptoms? Now, in episode two, I talked about the signs of emotional sobriety, and I asked you guys really to go back and to look at how you are actually working towards your signs of emotional sobriety. And it dawned on me that some of you may not even be aware of the symptoms that you lack in terms of emotional sobriety. So I wanted to share again, and the book that I'm using is Emotional Sobriety by Tian Dayton. And she outlines clearly some symptoms of emotional sobriety as we navigate this world. For me, it is big that we understand these principles because they also allow us to connect to our systems and connect to a more meaningful and healthy way in our systems. So here are the symptoms. Let me know if you guys identify with any. And one of the things that I want to accomplish in working with this systemic living with Jay is for us to filter through some of these concepts and work towards a better self. So the first symptom of lack of emotional sobriety is undeveloped skills of self-regulation followed by inability to regulate strong feelings such as anger, rage, anxiety, sadness, lack of ability to regulate mood, appetite, lack of ability to regulate behavior, not being able to put strong emotions into perspectives, lack of ability to regulate substances or self-medicating behaviors, inability to live in the present, lack of, the abil- lack of ability to regulate activity level, chronically over and underactive, inability to live comfortable in intimate relationships, lack of resilience or the ability to roll with the punches, a tendency to try to get rid of painful emotions through defensive strategies such as transference, which is transferring painful feelings from a relationship of past onto a relationship in the present, projection, which is projecting unwanted feelings outside the self onto another person or situation, disowning them, and splitting, which is throwing unwanted feelings out of consciousness. So I want to really touch on one, which is the inability to live in the present, as well as, well, maybe two, inability to live comfortable in intimate relationships. And the whole concept of the inability to live in the present for me, it's the big factor of recognizing that things are happening in the here and now. And often we put aside our emotions to deal with them a little later because we want to be comfortable when in natural fact, you actually need to be dealing with them at the moment. Now, I know there are a lot of things that say you got to know when and where. And we live, you know, we really live in a society where when and where suits particular people a particular given time. And I want you guys for a moment to consider how people's emotions are actually impacted by the pause or the concept of breaking. Yes, we do need time to process, but let's face it, in this society, unless we're processing at the moment or we're processing within the concept of the moment, a lot of our thoughts and feelings begin to get stuff and they begin to get stifled and they begin to be... um, forgotten for lack of a better way of putting it and once they're forgotten then people move on and act as if they never existed and I just want to challenge you guys in terms of emotional sobriety things need to be dealt with at the moment right we don't pause 
with the hope that it goes away. If we pause, we pause with the hope that, you know, you think about it, you decide how you want to deal with it, and then you take the risk to deal with it. And that's vulnerability. And then inability to live comfortably in intimate relationships. Intimacy is basically how I break it down. Intimacy, an opportunity for you to share who you are with an individual. And we're having some challenges in today's life where we don't want people to see who we are. We want to put up the mask and we want to wear the facade and we want to be able to say that this is what who we are not. When truth in fact, we are living some lives. So today I want to encourage you guys in terms of understanding what the symptoms of lack of emotional sobriety is to go back through the list. See what some of the areas that you're struggling with and the areas in which you think you need to put some work. And then we'll look at the solutions in episode three. Jay out. Welcome to Systemically Living the Jay, episode three. The relationship between attachment and autonomy. My name is Janelle Chase Mears and I'm a creative systemic therapist, a certified grief recovery specialist, a mental health professional, fitness professional. And today's episode, I really wanted to talk about the whole concept of what attachment is and the autonomy it's related to. Now, I'll be using the book Tian Dayton for the last couple of episodes and the name of the book is How... It's emotional sobriety from relationship trauma to resilience and balance. And one of the reasons why I wanted to introduce this book to you guys was the fact that we really need to look at how our emotional concepts are either hindering or helping the way we interact with people. So today, I really want to talk about the relationship, attachment, and the autonomy have with each other. Now, C.L.S. Lewis is famous for saying that it takes two to see one. Neurologically speaking, it takes two to be one. Children learn the skills of self-regulation through a successful attachment bond. It is also through this powerful, intimate bonding that they can gain a sense of relationship, self, and eventually autonomy in that order. A child builds his ever-evolving sense of self within the protected and protracted relational space between himself and his primary caretakers. He strengthens his sense of self a little more each day and wears it increasingly on his own. His autonomy is the product, we might say, of successful dependency. Now, there's something called a limbic system, and we're connected to each other with our limbic, with true neuroscience, right? The whole concept is it nature or nurture, um, or not nature or nurture, we're actually wired in our neurological network. So something like a hug is so essential for people's potential growth and for people's potential self-regulation. Also the way in which we respond to people as they're expressing their emotion is also something that also allows us to be autonomic with our responses and our attachment. So let's take for instance, you have a child who is crying and flailing on the ground. The way in which parents respond to that child at the moment of that episode can either hurt or hinder the child's emotional regulation as well as their, um, how it fosters their limbic system. Now, if the parent that responds is calm and kind as the child is expressing their emotions, you would find that that flailing, that excess of crying will actually calm down. But if the parent is 
equally as angry and as passionate with the child uh, as the child is actually demonstrating, you'll find that it escalates. So we really need to be careful of how we actually engage with each, with each other in terms of our attachment. And attachment is a safe concept. Now, I want you guys to think about your own personal experiences where if your responses are not met with kind or calmness or perhaps passion or energy, what your result, in, what your result can be. I know many times we are quick to ask people to calm down in face of anger, to cheer up in the face of sadness, but have we considered for one moment that we must be able to match in terms of understanding and a touch, a systemic touch can actually help the person through the process. I remember being in situations where people were so angry that I would, my questions would include, are you going to harm? And that question may actually change the way in which the person was thinking. But then it was also followed by a touch. And a non-threatening touch is so important when we're engaging with people at different levels. Remember guys, our emotional regulation does not come in isolation. It depends on your upbringing. It depends on your interactions at the levels of schools, church, families, communities. And so I want you to take a look back to see how your experience of your emotional regulation as well as your experience of attachment has actually played a role in your life at this moment. If it hasn't done a great job, it's not too late to learn how we can attach and attach healthy. It's like the couple who learns to manage each other in a different way versus when they started their relationship. Nobody's tussling for power. Nobody's tussling to be right. Everybody's just looking to enhance and complement each other. So thanks guys for listening. Systemically Living with Jane.